campus community, what are the ways in which we can deal with uh, this pandemic and how it's affecting us and what you're hearing um, from your clients all across the country about the ways in which they uh, are, uh, what they're saying to you and what, what are the lessons we can learn during this time? Well, thank you so much for this opportunity, George, because it's something I really, um, I really want to uh, share with people. I, of course, my business is very interesting that we're in the leadership development our clients are typically executive leaders and companies. So this pandemic is definitely affecting them regardless of their racial background. However, minority leaders I'm observing and in my own experience are having a really particularly difficult time with this for a number of reasons. I think the fact that COVID-19 is disproportionately um, making us sick and we're dying from it is just adds to this drone of stress I think minority leaders carry all the time anyway. The other thing is that for those of us who are entrepreneurs, we're also discovering the impact of this is also disproportionate. People are really struggling getting access to the dollars that they need to sustain. And then the other thing that's going on is that we're all leading at work, mm-hmm. now where most of us are working at home, um, or and in the community. Um, and then a lot of us are also heavily represented in the healthcare industry. So my clients are really dealing with a very specific type of stress. And I'm encouraging them to think about what they need to do to strategically thrive through this change. Don't have the privilege of working from home, or they don't have the privilege that we have. Some people aren't even having a paycheck. You look at some of the essential services, right? You know, I had to go get a bootleg haircut the other day, uh, Gwen, because you know those services aren't available. And certainly, we have to manage that with the health of our community. So, talk, say say some more about that. Yeah, you know, I think the the most important thing about thriving through change. It is for us to give ourselves permission to recognize that we're having an emotional reaction to it first. Mm. And that um, I often lean into the work of uh, the Kubler-Ross group that, that originally started talking to us through the lens of health, that when something significant that changes your life happens, we go through shock, denial, bargaining, and feel some kind of way. Eventually, we get to a place like, okay, this is really going to happen, and then we accept it. Right. And I think for us, it's difficult to cycle through those emotions. One of them is that I think we all suffer with strong black men and women syndrome. And mm. so we don't even like to acknowledge that we're having those feelings. But I do think that that's the most critical thing that we can do for ourselves and for our families, um, because we still have to operate in the midst of something that's unlike anything we've seen in our lives. You uh, said something really uh, that struck me that we have to, that sometimes we don't even acknowledge that we are having uh, those feelings. And there's a price to pay by not acknowledging that we're having those feelings. Well, absolutely. I think that, you know, I often say to uh, my clients that we have to be very careful. And if you look at it, statistically speaking, we die disproportionately from diseases that are caused by stress under normal circumstances. Um, and now we add all kinds of additional pensions on top of that challenges, like COVID-19. Um, it becomes increasingly difficult. And the other thing, George, I'd just like to mention here is that I think, you know, I read something yesterday that really resonated with what somebody said, um, said that racism is like a pandemic. 
there's not going to ever be a vaccine for it. So we just really have to learn how to thrive through all of that. And so even in the midst of that, we now have the Ahmad Arbery, I call it a murder, and also the murder of Breonna Taylor. And so we're trying to digest all of this and trying to be smart in the middle of it. So my first recommendation about this is, and I think it's critical to practice radical self-care. Radical self-care. Like real radical. <laughs> mm, mm. Okay, so how radical? <laughs> um, you know, and so, for example, I um, have a ritual that I think I've talked to you about that I go through every single morning. You know, I pray, I read scriptures, I read an inspiration. Often what people see me post, the very first thing on my personal Facebook page in the morning is something that helps me get my mind right to just get day. Because we have to every day just regularly as black folks, I think, put on the full honor of God to enter the world and then And then we, some other things that I encourage people to do is to exercise. And whatever that looks like to you, I've been doing, I work out my Zoom with some members of some of the members from the public troop here in Auburn. I, um, you can go on YouTube if you're not high, if you don't like high impact. There are all kinds of YouTube videos. I've been doing something called the Miracle Mile. So it's encouraged. I encourage you to get up and get moving. And it also releases natural antidepressants. A lot of people are struggling emotionally and will mental health-related stuff. And then I think the final thing, I'm so glad you have Tiana on, because I think we have to figure out what we're eating and eat better. Yeah. And those things will help you practice radical self-care. I think it's also critical to talk about your feelings. And frankly, for a lot of those people, that's a radical idea, to say how you really feel. Oh, now, see, there's the thing. Now, when you say how you really feel, you got to be careful where you put that, because a lot of times when we say that, the person on the other side of that ain't ready to hear it or ready to support us in that. And that's also right. sometimes very disappointing. Right. You put yourself yeah, out there. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I often quote this, you know, my, my work with women leaders and I'll say, you know, every successful woman has a tribe of other successful women who always have her back. Mm. Right? I saw another one the other day that made me laugh, and every successful black person has a group of black people standing behind them going, hey, you know, cheering you on to victory, right? And so you can't, you have to find people that can hold space with you. No matter the condition that you're in, you've got to have people that can hold space. So what that looks like in my life is there's this inner circle of women friends that no matter how I show up to them, I could be rolling on the floor, howling, screaming, just losing it. When I'm done, they validate that I felt some kind of way. And they're like, girl, you're going to be all right. We got you. Get up, wash your face, put your makeup on, and go back out there and be the president and CEO. you got to have those people in your life. You, uh, that, and it's okay. It doesn't have to be a lot of them. It could be one of them, but you need to have that. No, I love that but because the, there's, there's twofold to that, right? Knowing that someone always has your back, but also – you being able to not have to be all of the things that people expect you to be. You can just be what you need to be in that moment. And all I'm really saying is you get to keep it real with the people that are real close to you. And keeping it real simply means I'm just going to keep breaking it down in that I don't have to be what you expect me to be or how I present myself on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I am, this is what I am right now, and I need you. Right, Exactly. And I think, you know, you're, you mentioned something, George, and you're, you know, you're thriving through a season of grief. Yep. I Amen. think our entire country is trying to figure out how to thrive through a season of grief around the pandemic, mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, because we've all lost something significant. Many mm. of us have lost relatives. As of today, 27 people who are either family, friends, 
colleagues or clients that I know have lost someone to COVID. Their, their relatives passed away. Mm. And, you know, and then, and so I think it's important for us to recognize that what Kubler Ross is talking about and shock denial by feeling some kind of way, you know, then get to that place she calls it acceptance depression that, ugh, this really happened to acceptance is she's talking about helping people fight this through grief and loss. And this nationally is we have those all grieving. Then you add what's really going on in our real life, the loss of a job, the loss of what we thought was going to be, the meaning of something, you know, that's intense. And then we have we're really losing loved ones. And so, and then you add on the, residual, the ongoing trauma we have because unarmed black people are being killed in front of us. And every time that happens, I see my son or my husband's face in that person. You know, so I think we have to acknowledge that we're going through and get, as a community, we've got to create space to be real about how we're really feeling. You, you, you mentioned some key takeaways. I wanted to mention that it's funny you talk, not funny, but you know, you think about Ahmaud Arbery, uh, what he went through, and Brianna Yearwood, who is uh, in her house. She's an EMT, and they came in with the wrong search warrant and shot her and killed her, and then now they charged the boyfriend, and they were in the wrong place, and the place they went to, they intended to go was 10 miles from where they were. But I was I was uh, doing a walk yesterday, right? I was running, I was jogging, and a brother passed me, and, uh, you know, as I'm walking during uh, right around here, and Armory, I'm not Armory Square, Creek Walk, where uh, Franklin Square, the studios are right here on the Onondaga uh, Creek, Creek Walk. And, you know, in that moment, though, I'm thinking about, uh-oh, we lost her, so we got to get her back. Uh, but I was thinking about that. Uh, we were, um, as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking, oh, here I am running or walking, exercising, and now I have to be concerned or think about, uh, I ha- you know, all of a sudden having these thoughts about my safety, what I would normally not think about. Uh, so I was saying, uh, Gwen, that uh, I was walking yesterday, and I immediately started to think about Armand Aubrey and uh, having those sort of triggers, right, uh, as I'm mm-hmm. walking in the neighborhood. And that's, that's unfortunate that we have to have that experience, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a real, you know, it's a reality of it. If we're honest about it, it's 400 years. Of yeah, history. yeah, yeah. Historical and, trauma. You know, so we have that. That's why I can't stress enough is how critically important it is to m- monitor during a time like this as, as leaders. And I think that everybody is a leader, by the way. Yeah. And I think that, and that we have to be honest about the fact that we're simultaneously leading at home, at our jobs and in the community that we have to be physically, mentally, and spiritually fit, and I say by any means necessary. Mentally, physically, and spiritually fit by any means necessary. Go ahead on, sister. As long as it's healthy, safe and legal, that's what I'm encouraging people to do. Long as 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 it's legal, that helps. Um, But um, the other thing that I'm going to say is that I think it's really important to show that you care. You know, I've been talking a lot about how what leaders can do to help people manage through the change. So I'd like to offer these ideas because they're as relevant at work and your workplace as they are in your home. Sure. So we need to let, for example, my five-year-old grandson um, was very upset, and I said to him, King, will you tell him, he goes to Didi, so I said, please tell Didi how you're feeling about the coronavirus, and he's so funny, he somehow heard Cardi B say it, and he says it the way that she says it, you know. 
And um, he, he was able to say this to me. He said, he said, I'm angry, I'm sad, and I'm mad. Huh. And, you know, a lot of times we look at little people and go, oh, boy, we don't know what you're talking about. But we really held a family meeting with him and talked to him more about that. And then we had him watch the Sesame Street Children's Town Hall meeting in COVID-19. We have to let people around us know that we know that they're affected, too, mm. and that we care about the fact that we're affected. I think especially our children. You know, um, that is so, so critical. Um and I, I do think that that's important. And I loved when you, you talked about starting your day with uh, spiritual, encouraging, inspirational words. Because mm-hmm. uh, going back to your thought about radical self-care, uh, many of the top motivational speakers in the country always talk about what you do in the first 20 minutes of your day. Right. Many of mm-hmm. us, you know, we roll over and we're on some sort of social media platform or we turn on the news first. And basically what you're reminding us of is how we begin uh, that self-reflection, that meditation is really how we're setting up. And so the first thing we do is Mm -hmm. turn on and we find out how many more people pass and all of that. That's setting up a certain consciousness uh, Mm -hmm. that is a a little bit too much for us. So, yeah, let's remind people that, yeah, that first 20 minutes of your day doing, you know, Radical self-care, inspirational, Bible, whatever your spiritual teaching mm-hmm. is, use that time. And I know for many of my Muslim brothers and sisters, they're in the time of Ramadan. So, so this is, and so they're already praying already, but this is right. a very important time. Yeah, and you know what? I, I often post this thing of, of memes that are keeping around me that says, either you run the day or the day runs you. Mm. So... How you, I believe, I believe, for example, that my company is a direct foot reflection of the condition of my head, my heart, and spirit. Yeah. And I also feel very strongly that my business is my ministry and that I'm in the healing business. Like when you help leaders be confident, competent, courageous, and calm, mm. they feel better about themselves and then they can put that vibe into their own company or organization or family. And so it's okay to hit the reset button. If you get up and you start, the day starts to run you. Pause, hit a reset button, and start over again. Give your permission to start over again. We're talking with Gwen Weber McLeod. She's the CEO of Gwen Inc. And I, I want to say this, and I don't have, I don't think I've said this before, but you know, when you hear Gwen talk about, you know, supporting uh, leaders, the unexpected leaders, uh, leaders throughout this community, the leaders throughout this country, uh, but with a special, like she's real clear, and I'm here for leaders of color too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 many of us end up being unexpected leaders, the sister actually practices what she preaches. When she says, I have my hand on you and my back on you, she really means it, and she shows up in that way for those she's she she indicates that she does that for, and I mean it. And so I wanted to shout you out for that because sometimes a lot of people talk about that, but Mm -hmm. you really are about that. And Yeah, you know, George, I think this is something else that— we talk about in my business um, that, first of all, um, my, I have a whole division of my company that's devoted to uh, the development of African-American leaders, and we work a lot with African-American women leaders. And so I, am, I feel that I'm historically obligated to do this work out of my company. Um, but one of the things that we always talk about is that it's critically important for us to be 
the types of leaders that we're inspiring and coaching and developing other people to be. And, you know, this, this is something because people take a cue from us. They hear what we say, but they only believe what they see us do. And mm. black folks don't need any more people perpetrating frauds in their lives. Holla. We don't. So we have to, that's another thing that I think could be helpful. Be, work your best to be your authentic self because mm. everybody in your family, anybody that you just say is following your lead, it's taking a cue for how to behave in the middle of the pandemic from watching what you do. So something else you could do is deliver a consistent flow of information. And so at work, if you're still, you know, we're also working in some way. Think very specifically about what is it that you need to say to people on a day-to-day basis to get them to trust that you're doing your best to keep them alive in the middle of all this empty of duty, thriving work home. If it's your family, what are those conversations you need to have with people in your house about what you're going to do to keep your family healthy in the midst, in the midst of this? And I can't stress enough, your children, my five-year-old grandson, is perfectly capable of receiving these messages. Mm. And, you know, I don't care politically how people feel about Governor Cuomo, but one thing he's doing is he's uh, delivering a master class in what I'm talking about on a daily basis. Right. Every day he shows that he cares. He tells us that he does. He provides a consistent flow of information, and if you're observant, he does it in the exact same way every single day. And one of the things about that is I know for myself I'm mentally distracted right now, but so is everybody else around me. So we have to set the work. I'm still doing the work because all of my clients are doing this. But we deliver information to them consistently in the same way all the time. So we're talking to them through that lens. And as a mom, a grandmother, and I'm in partnership with my husband, Tracy, we're being really clear about what we're saying in our family, about how we're going to live, how whoever comes in the cloud will make it to the other side. I call it the Rona. <laughs> I think a personal relationship with the Rona. Um, but it's important to do that. So what are you saying to your family? What are you saying to your, your coworkers or your employees? And are they messages? Because one of the things we're challenged by right now is some of what we have to say is, I don't know. Yeah. But we've got to have a vision. But we, what I do know is, the other thing is, keep your day down smaller. You know, we used to be able to set goals for a month. I'm encouraging people to set goals for 24 hours. 24 hours. Because it sure can change. It sh- things sure can change quick, for real. They sure do. I know. And when you have short-term wins, you know, you can see that you're making it through this process. This is so overwhelming. It, it really is. Uh, Gwen, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, for, for a lot of people, we're forced to or need to or uh, should have already done this. But a lot of people are looking at side hustles, which now may become their main hustles because their main hustle may not be there right now. What do you have mm-hmm. to say from a leadership perspective and some suggestions on how to make that side hustle pay off for you? Right. Well, you know, what's very interesting to me is watching all of these new businesses that are cropping up yeah. as a result of the pandemic. Mm. So I, I would just focus on all of the people who realize that they have the gift of sewing. And they're making masks. Mm. And they're not only making just regular masks. I, for example, have done business with a woman named Stephanie Strayer. My grandsons have superhero masks, like masks. I have Kente cloth masks. I did some business with Lisa and Reggie Simmons. I have a Delta Sigma Theta mask. 
There's a young woman in Syracuse, Latanya Muhammad, who's doing beautiful head wraps with matching wraps. These women have found a way to monetize. Maybe they're, maybe it's a stress releaser for them, but monetize this and are making some money. And so one of the things that I'm encouraging people to do is if you've ever had an entrepreneurial urge, that now might be a great time to um, – to act on it. Mm. And of course, you have to be strategic and careful, but there are things you can do that can help other people. You know, uh, delivering things, you know, creating something. I'm watching people be so creative on social media. And yeah. And so even I've observed some people who are running workshops on how to, excuse me, run an effective Zoom meeting. So, <laughs> I think that if you have an entrepreneurial urge, this might be a good time to really put your business plan together because we're watching what can happen to your, your what we call our real job. And I'm a firm believer in side hustles. I encourage every young woman entrepreneur that, that has, you know, Michelle um, Rowling talks about being hybrid entrepreneurs. This is a great time to start thinking about how can you monetize your gift. Amen. I love it. Hey, one quick thing. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about a series that the Auburn Public Theater is doing mm-hmm. on uh, Zoom. Uh, last night they had uh, white men talking about uh, what their experiences of the Ahmaud Arbery cases and what white people can do next week. Black men will be talking, and I think the mm-hmm. sisters after that. Uh, say something quickly about that. Yeah, you know, I am a founding director of the Harriet Tubman Group, which is a, a performance group that's based out of the Auburn Public Theater. And we exist to tell the stories of women of color and celebrate their lives through performance. So many of you are familiar with plays that we've done. We did For Color Girls was our first play. Um, we then wrote an original piece that was funded by the women from the Gathering Place, and we're now in production on a piece that's called Butterfly Confessions. It's like a black women's version of the Vagina Monologue. Mm-hmm. And so as a group of women, we are mothers, daughters, wives, sisters, aunties to black men and black boys. And when this happened, a group of us were talking, actually Dr. Rogers was part of this conversation, Melody smith Thompson, myself, and uh, Dr. Rhoda Oldesley, who's a colleague and a mentee of mine here in Auburn, and we were just talking about it. And Angela Dadabo, who was like the best ally any place we could have, was like, well, you know, I think we should get a bunch of black mothers to talk to us. And I said, you know, we are angry, frustrated, and tired. Let's get a bunch of white men to talk about that. And then, of course, you tell Angela something, she takes off. So this series was born. It's called um, Amon Arbery Conversations, um, a community conversation. And we, the first session was last night for about an hour and a half, and it was a group of white men who were really open and honest in talking about how they experienced that and their own recognitions about their own unconscious bias, the role that they see microaggression having, and what they think they can do to make our sons, black sons, safe. Um, next week will be a group of African-American men talking about the, how they experienced Ahmaud Arbery. And then on the third session, we're still sort of in production around that. So we're either going to bring a, a mixed group, those, some of those men from each of those conversations together. Um, Patrick Peary, who is another island, Reverend Patrick Peary, here of the Westminster Presbyterian Church, is the moderator. And it's very much a powerful conversation, but it's very much in alignment with what we're about as a government group, that we think black women's lives matter, we think black stories matter, and we have the, the opportunity, because of our relationship with the public theater, 
to inspire and spark these kinds of conversations so we do. All right, Gwen. Uh, and it's uh, 7 o'clock live on Facebook Live uh, next Saturday. Uh, check it out. It was very powerful. I was actually listening to that while I was doing my walk yesterday. So there you uh-huh. go. <laughs> very powerful. That'll be on the Auburn Public Theater Facebook page. Yeah, so we or, encourage people to, to join the conversation. Auburn Public Theater. people there from Boston, Syracuse. I, I shared it on my page, and my friends from all over the country got on. So, you know, the thing that us doing this virtually, it allows anybody who's concerned about these issues to be involved. And our perspective about this is until our husbands and sons and uncles and brothers' lives are seen as valuable by our white colleagues, then these kinds of issues will continue to happen. And so we are really saying we need to come at this from a community perspective that my son is Angela Denabo's son. That's the way, you know, and then she sees him that way. So she's willing to do the work as my white woman ally to make sure that my son is safe in the community. We're now inspiring our white male colleagues to do the same and be public about the fact. Very, very powerful. All right, Gwen, Mm -hmm. speaking of which, Dr. Joanna Rogers is on next. uh, And uh, we're going to talk to her about her series, Behind the Women. But in the meantime, thank you so much, Gwen Inc., online at GwenInc.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. She's a leadership diva, and she's one of the inspirational uh, figures here in Central New York. Sister, you've been doing this work. We love you. I love you. And uh, uh, we appreciate the work that you're doing, uh, inspiring us all. It's all good. And you know, George, the final strategy, real quick, is that we need to offer words of encouragement. Yes. We're helping people get through change. So I'd like to leave your listening audience with one by one of my um, favorite spiritual teachers, Ayama Van Smith. I won't read the four things, but there's an African-American um, proverb that, she, that I keep on my desk. It says, there are four rungs on the ladder of success. Mm. Plan purposefully, prepare prayerfully, proceed positively, and pursue persistently. Mm. I see that as a framework for thriving through the coronavirus pandemic, and I think if we do those things, as we, as we always are, we're going to be all right. We're going we gonna to be all right. All right. We're going to be all right. <laughs> thank you so much. She's the CEO of Gwen Inc., Inspiration for the Nation. Thank you so much. And thanks for believing in me, George. I believe in you, too. I believe in you, too. George Kilpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation, celebrating people that we feel good about. We've got a great sister that we feel good about. Dr. Joanna Rogers joins us now. She is an artist. She is an entrepreneur. She's part of the Great Eight out of Indiana University. She's a Hoosier, but she's an orange now. Are you going to become an orange an orange person now, uh, or are you still going to hold on to the Hoosier? What you, what you going to do, Joanna? Well, well I, that, um, I definitely feel like I need to go up on the hill and take a class. <laughs> Get it for certification or something, but I can't do no more student loans. So I, I know that's right, for real, for real, for real, for real. <laughs> so uh, uh, you're an artist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker. Uh, you, you you do so many things. Uh, I love the fact uh, that you have a new series on WCNY called Beyond Behind the Woman. And uh, woman, yes. it's, this is so exciting. And uh, you started this on your own and then WCNY said, yo, let's 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 do something together. So let's talk about that series and how it became, how it came about. Oh, wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on, George. Um, to talk about this, I'm really excited about the series. And I 
you asked that question, and I have to think back um, because it was just a year ago, almost exactly, I got into conversations with WCNY after I released the series as on YouTube. On YouTube, I thought, um, you know, I was trying to figure out from an entrepreneurial perspective how can I get in front of more women, uh, maybe get some consulting opportunities to lead some workshops. And I was like, well, you know, people need to see what I can do. And so I found these brothers who were finishing up their graduate school programs at Newhouse. They were looking to do some projects that we collaborated um, to work on this web series. It took many, many forms, but we landed on Behind the Woman, and it actually premiered January 18th of 2019. And I thought it would be kind of like just these snippets that we would put on uh, Facebook that would live on YouTube that would just uplift and inspire folks. Like in the time like we're in right now. Right. You know, this morning I'm finding different clips to listen to just to keep your energy high mm-hmm. and focus, you know. Um, and it just kind of took off like wildfire. Um it spoke to people. People love um, Black Cub did an excellent, excellent job. Um, shout out to Newhouse and all the work they do with students. But they did an excellent job of putting together a quality production that even surpassed my expectations, right? And so um, about this time last year, I, I circled up a group of, of women in Georgia. I invited you. You couldn't come that day. I know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we um, when we were uh, at a, a retreat that Mercedes Brooks Rollins put together, and I was saying, you know, I think I could do something with this. And yes, 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 get, yes. Get some input on what I should do. And the one thing that I knew was that the community felt this. I knew the, the communities of color, many women felt it. And in partnership, sometimes especially when you're working with an institution like PBS or uh, uh, media, that things can get watered down, Mm -hmm. that they could lose the authenticity of what they were meant to do. And I was so protective of this project because I didn't want that to happen at all. Sure. So I I had to figure out how to negotiate and advocate for myself saying, you know, you, you know, brown girls don't get this opportunity all the time. So, you know, it's not like I just wanted to throw it away, but I wanted to keep the show true to what it was. And Mitch Gilman, who was executive director there, he heard me, he called me, we, we talked <laughs> and courted for several months before I um, signed on the dotted line to say, okay, yes, we can work together on this. And um, that took a risk. That wasn't, you know, I wasn't 100% sure about it, but as it has come out into the world, I'm so glad that I put in the work to negotiate and believe in the project and kept the people around the project and, that it started with, and here we are. And, and also, uh, I, I, let, let me say it a different way for people to understand. You basically said, I want editorial control and I want to maintain editorial control, which means what's how it looks how it, what is said, the essence of it. And, and what she's saying is that a lot of times in creative, uh, when you take something that you created and uh, uh, essentially sell it to somebody else, then they want to be able to say, well, this, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. And there needs mm-hmm. to be somebody who says, well, yeah, I understand that, but this is 
why I need that to be there, especially when you're talking about editing and things of that nature. Yeah. So, so this week you, so there's two things in our time is short, but let, and we'll have to have you back again, but here's what, uh, two things that I wanted to get to. So let's talk about what's happening this Tuesday. And then I want to tell you, I want to uh, ask you about how you're doing during this 10 pandemic, especially as an artist. So those are two things. So what's happening this Tuesday? Okay, so this Tuesday, um, ironically, as time is is lining up, the show is aligning with what's happening in the Times. We have um, the commissioner for Onondaga County of Adult and Long-Term Care, um, a a mentor, dear friend of mine, Lisa Alford. Um, She's premiering this week, her story. And it's so timely because many of us, um, if you turned on the television or were on social media yesterday, um, they did the HBCU, Historically Black Colleges and University, graduation. And then on television later that night, Oprah and Obama and LeBron James did the tribute to graduates. And so ironically, in this week's episode, Lisa talks a lot about education in the black community, growing up with educators, and then her experience um, as a member of a of a black uh, sorority, AKAs, um, and her time at Hampton University, which is a HBCU. And so um, the show keeps gifting us. And so this week, if you haven't seen it yet and want to start, um, this will be a good episode, especially for those that have just graduated or are huge fans of HBCUs or members of the Divine Nine. This could be something that you could see yourself in. And and for the one person that doesn't know, HBCU is a historically black college and or university. There's so people. Yeah. For that one person. It's just for that one person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I make, I'm laughing because you remember, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, when Governor Cuomo talked about opening up central New York, there, there it was trending on Twitter for a minute. I don't know if you saw that because people didn't know where that was. And so it's like, wait, <laughs> it's seriously wow. like this. It was seriously trending on Twitter when he announced that because like, well, where is that? Is that somewhere? So that's why I said that. Um, yep. I love the show. Uh, I, I, the, the episode that I got and you can watch the, the episodes are online on WCNY if you missed it, uh, miss them. Uh, but the, I love the first episode, and I love that you did some on-location stuff. Go ahead on now, right? Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we went home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I loved uh, getting a – it was very – so in the first episode, which was about you, you took us home to Newark, New Jersey. Uh, you talked about your family, your neighborhood, and growing up. And I love the story – of how you had to finish your PhD. People go ahead and watch it. We don't have time now, but I love that story because uh, it was so vulnerable for you to, to, to put that out there like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. And I was so, I told a lot of the guests, like, I get it. <laughs> I was reassuring them so much, like, it's okay to share your story and tell your story. And then it was my episode and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm sweating bullets. And, really? And it, it, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, because it, it it was a very vulnerable part, and I often say, you know, people hear or see mm-hmm. often the accolades. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, oh, she did this, she did that, but they're not intimately connected to the process that you have to go through. Yeah. You know what I mean? To to get there, and believe me, it was not easy. So I, I definitely am glad that I stepped into that vulnerable space to share it because hopefully it will motivate someone else. It was so real and and, 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 and the short version of it is it, it took a minute to get it done 
and mm-hmm. and you got it done. But then you were like, wait, wait, what? You know, like there's 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 the the paperwork, but then there's actually the dissertation, and so you have to do that, right? And mm-hmm. I, I love that you shared that story with us. And one more question before I ask you about the last question was about the artist and what how, how how that side of you. Well, let me just ask that question: How is that side of you uh, dealing with this pandemic? Because that's that's certainly. Um, one of the things that has been taken away from many of us during this time. Yeah, and I'm worried about how we will ever be able to come back mm. um, together and enjoy art in the way, you mm-hmm. know, film theaters and right. um, music halls and, and dance. I shared a video of, uh, that we did last year about this time where women did the Beyonce challenge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, when can we do that again? And that fuels me as a person. So it's been um, really challenging some days. And so I've leaned into um, more of the storytelling mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've started to, to write again. Mm-hmm. I've joined some writing groups. And like yesterday, uh, I, I joined a three-hour write-in with women of color. Mm. And so I'm doing some of the things that fuels that artistic creativity, reading again, writing, when before this I was running 150 miles an hour, I didn't have time to, like, sit and digest it. And so I'm using this time as, like, nurturing time. Like, this is the time to reread the the pieces that really spoke to you, to think about creativity in a very um, real way. And I cannot wait until this is over because I feel like the art scene is going to move into a new renaissance. You know, art as far as music and the way that we paint or use words is going to be so rich because, you know, what we're going through right now. So I'm, I'm preparing myself and really grounded and hoping to be a part of that um, when the time, when time, when the time comes. I know that this is a, a, a we 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 we're running short, but I want to say that uh, behind the woman is your opportunity, or is an opportunity for all of us to hear uh, and see how women are empowered by one another to share goals and to share their vulnerabilities, as sisters often do. So. I appreciate you, Juana. We know that there's more for us to talk about. We'll continue to have the conversations behind the women, behind the woman. I don't want to say behind the women, behind the woman, (laughs) behind the woman. Tuesday night, WCNY, PBS WCNY at nine o'clock Eastern time. Lisa Alford is the guest talking about HBCUs. Uh, and Juhana, we really appreciate the work that you're doing. and so much more for us to get into. So we'll just have to have you back. Simple as that. Yes, please. Somebody <laughs> me back to it. I love it. I love it. We always have a good we got, time. We got, some stuff to, we got some stuff, some heavy stuff to talk about. So that's a, that's a promise. All right? Yes. Okay, that sounds good. Enjoy your day. Thanks for having me. All right. Juana Rogers, Behind the Woman, Tuesday nights on WCNY. Check it out. Inspiration for the Nation. Chef Keanu Will, year we're just ahead. There you'll find small business resources to help you get through this, including the latest info on loans, grants, and other forms of relief. You'll also see stories about small businesses making a difference. So let's get through this together. Visit iHeart.com slash small business today. That's iHeart.com slash small business. George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation, as we continue here. Thank you to my guests so far, Gwen Weber-McLeod, Dr. Joanna Rogers, 
Behind the Woman. By the way, Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock WCNY TV. We're joined now by Chef Kiana Yearwood. You lost 100 pounds? What? Yeah. Talk to me. How'd you do that? That's what we. Let's start with that. You're a personal chef. You've got cooking classes online. You're teaching people how to eat healthy. How did you lose 100 pounds? So at 16 years old, I was um, 350 pounds. And um, I was at the time trying to get a scholarship for basketball, and they told me I had to drop 50 pounds. Uh. Um, but I didn't necessarily know how to do that. And um, I went to nutrition classes and dietitians and all that other stuff, but they didn't really give me an outline on how to do it. Mm. So I had to figure it out for myself on how to lose the 50 pounds. And um, with the help of my uncle and with the help of, you know, he had he was a AAU coach, um, it really pushed me to lose the 50 pounds. And then after when I didn't end up getting the scholarship for basketball, I just continued to lose the weight because I realized for my family line, it was super important for me, myself, to lose the weight. You uh, went to the prestigious Johnson and Wales uh, school to learn how to cook. And yes. uh, you, 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 you. Tell me the name of your business. It's 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 a very interesting name. So let, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to say it, but then I said, you know what? Edabel Julie's. Edabel Julie's. Okay, thank um, you. The reason being is the four people that inspired me to cook, which was my, my father Edwin, my mother Isabel, and my two grandmothers Julia and Valerie. Okay, Edabel Julie's. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you do um, meal delivery, and you also do cooking classes, and and yes. and I know that you do some Zoom classes. I know you have a class coming up this Saturday. Tell us about it. So with Zoom classes, um, the the biggest part of that was just um, improving the health and wellness of communities through, excuse me, through affordable health education Mm -hmm. and um, activities that support healthy lifestyles. Um, The biggest thing that I live by, I tell everyone, is wellness for everyone. Mm. Um, Because wellness sometimes is on a ladder, I tell people. Where you are on that ladder and what expense you want to um, particularly put into wellness it is where it can be, but it doesn't have to. A lot of the times, wellness is marketed towards the rich and wealthy. Sure. But then there's a huge gap of, you know, the inner city or middle class families who need, particularly need the wellness, but don't know how to do it or don't know how to get it themselves. Right. But for me, I've found for myself, I need to be that person that shortens that gap. So when doing these Zoom uh, calls, I, I collaborated with Brady Farm, and together um, they get affordable health education. It's free. A lot of the times the boxes are donated through other people that run through Brady Farm CSA. They'll um, donate boxes to families, and they get, you know, quality um, nutrition education. They can ask questions. They can, you know, follow up with me. The whole purpose of the Zoom and the programs was to get these families the necessary health education that they need. No, it's so important talking with Chef Kiana Yearwood, uh, personal chef, uh, Edible Julie's. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 so how can we eat healthy and affordable? Because you're right, a lot of, you know, when we go to the supermarket and the, you know, whether it's eating organically or eating healthier, it's 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 a choice you can make. And when you think about when you were 100 pounds overweight and you figured out a way to to change with the help of your dad, but also uh, making some different choices, what what are some of the keys to help people right now to make different food choices so that they can 
begin to cook healthier and eat healthier? What are some of uh, the tips in the little time we have left? So the simplest thing I can say is um, try try to reduce how much processed food that you guys are intaking. So yeah. basically what processed food means, anything that's in a can or pre-made in a box, it has so much salt, so much access preservatives, and really start using produce. And what produce is is just fresh vegetables. We have a ton of farms here in upstate New York. Um, I'm working through Brady Farm, who has um, $25 boxes. Um, with fresh organic produce along. They do take farmer's market coupons and, you know, SNAP benefit programs. And, you know, with me working with them, I'm making um, an initiative to really start getting people to understand how to use these produce um, because it's easy enough to say get produce, but it's, it's how you're going to use it. You're going to use it how you know how to use it. If you, you know, if you have greens, the simplest thing you're going to do is use, make it like collard greens. And I want to show people different techniques and how to cook this, this produce in the healthiest way. So the biggest tip I can give you is to take out the processed food and start adding maybe a day. You can start one day, start adding and using produce that you necessarily don't know how to use. Um, but, you know, just try implementing different things and trying different things because your taste buds will change when you start adding these things into your diet. Sure. And what inspires you? Um, my family. My family constantly expire, inspires me. Um, my parents, my uncle, I always say my uncle is like a second dad to me. Um, they inspire me to do what I, uh, I do because um, my family has a huge line of obesity and um, my grandmother, both my grandmothers died from the same disease at the, around, roughly around the same age. Mm. And um, so it pushes me because, one, I don't want my family to consistently go in this kind of kind of way of living. But also I want to show others that they don't have to be, um, they don't have to go the same way as well. Now tell me about your menu service that you do. I know that the, you put out a menu and then people can order it. So what's on the menu this week? Have you decided? So, no, I haven't decided. I usually don't decide to the day of. It does come out today, but a lot of the times the menu is just reflecting on um, my clients that I serve every day. Again, uh. wellness for everyone is what I believe in. So this is more so I put out the menu service for people who would always ask for services but couldn't necessarily afford my services. So I kind of cut it down to um, an amount where I know it, it's reasonable mm-hmm. to charge. And people can start realizing that healthy food does taste good. All right. So how do people take advantage of the menu service that you offer? So the menu service, you can go on my Facebook, Kiana Yearwood, and it will be posted. Um, Usually it's posted every Sunday. Um, The order form, everything you need to know is usually in the link. You order it, pre-order, and it will be delivered on Friday. Kiana Yearwood. K-E-O-N-N-A Yearwood. Yes. Chef Keanu Yearwood. We wish you so much success. And we uh, the, the Zoom classes, uh, you, they can find that on your, your website, uh, your Facebook yes. page as well. Facebook page, Instagram, all that stuff gets posted up. Family, wellness for everyone. Uh, food for your thought. There you, there you go. I used to have a show yeah. on WCNY called Food for Thought. So I'm right with you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll have me a guest on. We'll do some stuff together. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Chef Kiana, you were so glad to talk to you. I love your story. Continued success. This is what we want to do. Spotlight on people like you doing great things to help uh, our community better and help our community 
uh, have the health and wellness that it deserves. Thank you so much, Kiana. Thank you. And hopefully uh, we'll, I'll get to taste one of your dishes one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Chef Kiana Yearwood, and you can check her out on Facebook, K-E-O-N-N-A. She have a menu out later on, and you can uh, check it out. And I, I just want you to know the Inspiration for the Nation is brought to you by the Syracuse Community Health Center, 819 South Carolina Street in Syracuse. Also uh, by the Syracuse Educational Opportunity Center. They are uh, supporters of Inspiration for the Nation, bringing great inspirational stories to you today, like with our guests, Dr. Joanna Rogers and Gwen Weber McLeod. So glad. So we had a fabulous show today. Thank you to these incredible women making a difference in Central New York. Stay safe, people. Stay uh Please stay safe. That's what I could say. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. All right, George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation on Power 620 and 1017 for downtown and the south side. Keep it locked. You're listening to Power 620, Central New York's only R&B on WHEN Syracuse. and W.